0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Silverscreen and Roll.com post game show with me, Christian Rivas, and Jacob Rude, your usual hosts for Can You Dig It? We're recording on a Wednesday because the Lakers played uh, and we wanted to do a post game show. So here we are. And Jacob, I couldn't have picked a worse game for us to do a post game show for because the Lakers got absolutely clobbered by the Oklahoma City Thunder on Wednesday losing 105 to 86. The 86 points uh, the Lakers scored in that game is among the lowest points they've scored in a game this season. If I'm remembering correctly, I think the lowest amount of points they've scored in a game this season is 80.
1: Um, Just fair warning. I fully intend to coast through this show the same way the Lakers coasted through that game. Uh, The hangover from securing the number one seed was very real, uh, tonight. It, it's, it was odd because it didn't seem like it was that way, um, against the Raptors, but I don't know. It it was, this was a ugly, ugly game. Probably one of the ugliest games of the season.
0: I agree. And I think, a lot of the issues the Lakers have showed in the postseason, you can write off at, or sorry, not in the postseason, in the seeding games, I should say. You can write off as it just being seeding games. They haven't played in a while. Um, and those things are all true. I just think th- there comes a point, specifically when it comes to the team shooting, that you have to wonder, is it going to get better in time? Because if we're going to operate under the assumption that the reason Danny Green has made a total of, I want to say, four three-pointers since entering the bubble. If that is a result right. of him not playing in quite some time, that's fine. You, you can say that. When is it going to get better? Because it was not it on Wednesday night. Danny Green finished the game uh, shooting two of seven from behind the three-point line. And for those that don't have a calculator handy, that is... Twenty eight point six percent. And it's not even that he's attempting that many three pointers. I think in the postseason, he's probably going to be averaging around that. It's the fact that he's not making any like since the seeding game started, he's just been abysmal from from that from that range.
1: Yeah, when you initially said he's made four, I don't remember. I mean, I remember (laughs) the two tonight. I didn't remember any others than that. And he apparently made two against the Clippers, which uh, was also a very ugly game. Um, Yeah, I think a lot of the Lakers' problems are just – I mean, for now, they're fixable. Um, They – I mean, maybe not fixable, but you're able to kind of write them off to certain things this whole bubble situation is odd. Um, going from not playing in four months, uh, a actual competitive game to these kind of eight seating games. Um, that whole situation's odd. Um, and then like we said, like, I kind of joked about, but like we said tonight, I mean, I do think there was some form of a, a hangover, um, in the grand scheme of things, this game meant nothing to the Lakers, um, but the problem is none of the remaining four games theoretically would mean anything to them too. So at some point, has to go from the from kind of that hangover to all right. In four games, the playoffs start. Right. Um, so I'm willing for tonight to write it off as just a bad night where it didn't really matter. I mean, also I think. Credit goes to OKC. They're playing really, really well yes. um, inside the bubble. And last week we were talking about who the third best team was. I think we both mentioned OKC. And I think they very well might be the third best team in the West um, under the current bubble conditions.
0: Yeah, I. so the thing I'm curious about is whether or not whether or not, how much the Lakers not having fans in attendance has affected their energy in games like tonight where there really is no reason for them to be playing these seating games anymore other than to get their rotations in order and you know figure out their shooting problems. Just little things, fine-tuning. Um, I think if the Lakers were playing this game at Staples Center, they probably would have been inspired to go on a run at some point in the game. But because they had nobody to play for but themselves and they already got themselves the number one seed in the Western Conference, I don't know if they played as hard as they would have in front of fans.
1: That's a fair point. I mean, this definitely felt like one of those games where maybe the the crowd kinda helps them along one of the they had a couple of runs that got it to like eight, ten points. And right. you would think maybe the crowd would be able to uh to kind of get them to get that one or two get, – get another bucket or two, and suddenly it's a four-point game, which has a totally different feel to it. It's, it's something I hadn't thought of. Um, but that's just kind of the way of life for the next however many months that the Lakers – or weeks the Lakers are going to be playing. Um, it is interesting. I mean, the, the Lakers have fed off a really good home crowd. Um, it's a shame that they're – there's not really any way to replicate that realistically or to give teams that have that home court advantage an advantage in this bubble. Um, because I think the Lakers had one of the better home court advantages, uh, in the, in the Western conference. At the same time, they were also one of the best teams on the road right this season in the West too. So you would think they'd be able to get used to kind of mo- motivating themselves. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, the season coming to a stop when it did, I'd argue there weren't many teams, if any, it hurt more than the Lakers because they really seem to be peaking at just the right time. And to have that come to a complete halt for four months and basically kill any momentum, any anything you built up like that is really, really hard to get back.
0: Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree, and I think at some point you have to question whether or not age has an, uh, a part to play and how long it's taken the Lakers to get back. I mean, Chris Paul looked great, <laughs> so I don't know if that argument holds up if you go down the the list of players in the league who are, quote-unquote, on the wrong side of 30 um, and are, are taking a while to get their legs back under them, but... It's, there's no denying that the Lakers have a few veteran legs on their team that have struggled since uh, the, the season restarted. Danny Green, um, LeBron James, who has not looked like himself at all since this all started. So um, I'm a little worried, especially because of the type of baskets LeBron's missing. you are just right above the rim. I don't know if it's like a lack of touch or just lift. Either way, I I hope it gets ironed out over these next four games now left in the seating schedule. Uh, And before we get into the meat and potatoes of our podcast today, uh, I'm going to try and answer a few of the questions we got from our followers at Silver Screen and Roll. Thank you for sending those in. The first one uh, asks, it's high time JaVale's benched, yes? No. (laughs) Yeah, I, I don't – JaVale hasn't looked great in in the bubble. But, like, if you look at the season, he's been much better than I thought he would have been.
1: Yeah, so I understand the argument, especially after that Utah game where they played 80 at the five yeah. and there was so much success. That's still the Lakers' best lineup. But I think this comes down to – I, I reference the Warriors – what they call them, the Hampton five lineup or whatever it was. Um, that lineup didn't start games and it was a very Zaza Pachulia. JaVale was even in there. Like they had a different center come in. You know what your best lineup is, but you can't play that. Uh, you can't play that lineup the whole game or for extended time and not wear people down. Um, I understand the frustrations with Javale. I thought he played well at at times this season. He has not played <laughs> very well in the bubble. Um, it didn't help that the Lakers didn't have Dwight. I thought. I mean, I, I think we've had the discussion before on the show. Dwight's probably been b- the better of the two this season.
0: Um, in his role, yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah, and so, but I I think. I, I wouldn't do anything as drastic right now as taking JaVale out of the lineup. I would, and I don't think the Lakers intend on it. Um, maybe you reduce his minutes some and give more to Dwight. Or, or, Actually, probably you just start playing AD at the five more so you can kind of get more familiar with that. I do think come playoff time and whatnot, when the games really start to matter, AD will play the five more. Everybody seems willing to do it. Vogel had some quotes about They're at their best when he's at the five. Everybody knows it. There's just no point in playing 80 at the five against OKC in a game that literally has no effect on your season right now.
0: Yeah, and that actually brings me to my next question, which I I don't think you and I can answer ourselves because we're not on the team. Um, But somebody asks, how do you keep that competitive level in the tail end of these games where you already clinched the top spot? I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> if I was in the Lakers' position, I probably wouldn't care much. Um, but I, I I, think, to your point, these are kind of – I mean, Anthony Davis has said himself they're going to treat these games like the last eight games of the regular season. If you're in your last four games of the regular season and you're playing as bad a basketball as you're playing right now, clinched or not, you're a little concerned. and And I think you start to make adjustments or – um, start to question why those things are it It isn't just the fact that they they clinch a playoff spot. It's the fact that the playoffs start in four games,
1: yeah, I mean, i don't, I, I certainly don't want this to seem like I'm not concerned. I am concerned, yeah. but I'm for now, there are enough reasonable, i guess excuses um for why the team may be do playing as poorly as it is. Um, but no, you're right. I mean, As we said, the playoffs start in four games. I guess the fortunate thing is the Lakers are going to be playing these teams that are still competing for playoff spots, and they may be basically forced into playing at a high level or they'll continue to get run off the court like they were tonight for the most most part. I don't think that will be the case um, in terms of them getting run off. So I think the fact that they're playing uh, teams that are going to be competing for playoff spots. I was trying to pull up their schedule. I know they play the Pacers. Um, the here, I
0: Rockets. Have yeah, they play the Thursday. Rockets.
1: Yeah, when, most likely when you're listening to this on Thursday. Then they play the Pacers in Denver. Those are three teams that are going to be battling for playoff spots. Now they finish with Sacramento, who it appears that they're not going to be anywhere near <laughs> the playoffs. But um, if they can get it back into the groove in those next three games, um I, I I'll, I'll feel a lot better um, and I think they will because like I said if they don't um, each of those teams is going to come out playing hard and each of those those are at least Houston and Indiana have looked like two of the better teams in the uh in the bubble so far so if they don't get it together they're gonna get continue to be run off the floor and I think more than anything these guys probably have too much pride for that to continue to happen I think they'll get it figured out
0: Last question before we head into the break. Uh, Our follower Ryan Schwartz asks, do you think the Lakers purposely played without effort tonight because they knew that OKC winning would put the Rockets into the sixth seed? I'd like to think so, uh, but I doubt they'd ever admit it. I I wouldn't be mad because we've been very vocal about how worried we are about the Rockets, and I think the game against the Thunder and Raptors have only, like, solidified that point not that they're similar teams it's just teams that can make open three pointers and have like an elite backcourt are (laughs) are scary teams for the lakers and those things certainly qualify for the rockets um and for that same reason i really 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 hope the lakers beat the rockets like if they threw this game specifically so they could be energized to play the rockets tomorrow who by the way might not even have russell westbrook in the lineup um, I'd be fine with it.
1: <laughs> Listen, that is some galaxy brain stuff. If it happens, I'll fully allow Rob Polinka to come out and say, give a gal or what, what was it light years ahead? Um, I'll let him come out and give a light years ahead quote to the media. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we've talked about the the Rockets and whatnot. I, I would like to imagine that's what the Lakers were doing and they're trying to put Houston and the Clippers side of the bracket, which I'm fully fine with, let them deal with that small ball (laughs) mess. But uh, yeah, I mean, if that's what they do, if they come out and win tomorrow, like that, that is the perfect situation uh, for the Lakers.
0: When we come back from our, from our quick little break, we will talk about the biggest concern uh, with the Lakers Since the season restarted Um, and if you've been watching games or looking at box scores, I'm sure you can guess what it is, but we'll be back. So for those that didn't guess, the answer is the starting lineup. And Jacob, before the season even restarted, I think most people could have guessed that this was the starting lineup. Frank Vogel was going to use they went. I believe their record was seventeen and three, if not thirteen and seven. I don't know if I'm getting those numbers confused. Uh, it is seventeen and three, with Contavious Caldwell Pope in the lineup and start in, in place of Avery Bradley. Earlier in the season, it was due to injuries. Now it's because of his decision to leave the bubble for personal reasons. In any case, I've never been a fan of that lineup. I am. I have gone on record saying that. I wanted to see Alex Russo in that starting lineup in place of Contavius called Will Pope, um, and not that I l- I love to be the person to say I told you so, but I it hasn't it, it's been as good as it was in the regular season except everybody has tired legs uh, and there are other factors like new players that that are just making rotations much harder than they need to be, um, so I'm I'm concerned. I think I am at the point where if Frank decided to start Caruso or make another change to the starting lineup next game, I would not be mad at all.
1: Um, I wouldn't be mad. It would depend on what the move is. Um, see, the problem is if you make that move, the way the rotation is right now, I mean, it works so well because you're just – basically swapping JaVale and Dwight for the better part of three, three and a half quarters. And then you're just putting Anthony Davis in to close the game. And it it saves some of the wear and tear on him. If you remove JaVale from the lineup, it's most likely one of JaVale or Dwight more or less, isn't going to be playing that game. Um, I don't think you can really afford to have two like true fives, true centers to come off the bench and be able to play them. So, I mean, that's kind of one of the the kind of things, the hurdles, I guess, in the way is that, I mean, sure, on paper, if you take one of these guys out, then, yeah, maybe the lineup's better, but you're just effectively probably removing one of JaVale or Dwight from the lineup because otherwise you're playing, I mean, it's you they're not going to play together. One of them is going to have their minutes severely hindered, so... I, I don't know. I'm kind of on the fence. Like, like I said earlier, I don't know necessarily right now is the best time to just yank Javale from the lineup, uh, especially if Dwight. I don't know how serious Dwight's injury is. I, I would imagine that they just rested him because, as we've said many times, this game doesn't didn't mean a whole lot tonight. Um. I, I mean, realistically, to me, if they do take him out of the lineup, I would think Kuzma would be the one that they would put in.
0: Yeah, because he's looked good
1: yeah really good. I
0: so the first scrimmage game you know me I am I am not light with my twitter fingers <laughs> and to to fire off takes with a small sample size uh that first scrimmage game with Kuzmo was just very disappointing and I think just it was the fact that so many other players looked good that I was just like all right well he is what he is I it's fine And then immediately after that game, since that game, he's looked so good. And I am not sure if he's a four or a three, but whatever he's doing right now, particularly on the defensive end, has been very impressive. I am happy to eat crow, which is ironic because if – Anybody in the silver screen and roll slack knows that I am the biggest Coos fanboy, And anybody that follows me on Twitter knew how hard I was rooting for him going into this season. Uh, it's just been a little harder this season. So I'm, I'm very happy to see him playing well. I agree. That is a lineup change. They could make the lineup change. I'm interested in seeing is Alex Crusoe in place of KCP. I also wouldn't hate if they started Crusoe and moved Danny Green to the bench, because it is getting ridiculous. It is. But the reason I'm hesitant to go all the way there is because I know what Danny Green offers on the defensive end. That is still an invaluable part of the team's success. Um, And two, I like KCP's fit with that second unit better than I do Danny Green's fit. So if I had things my way, maybe don't try it against the Rockets because I think you want to go with familiarity against the Rockets because they're a really, really good team. Um, But, you know, against the Pacers maybe, um, as well as TJ Warren's played, I think that's a team you could experiment against. um, Playing Alex Crusoe, Danny Green, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and one of JaVale or Dwight, I think Caruso and Dwight have built a really nice chemistry throughout the season uh, that I've really enjoyed watching. But the the point is, I I just don't like the starting lineup. And I at what point does Frank Vogel say, okay, this isn't working?
1: Uh, for obviously, this isn't a visual medium, but yeah, uh, when. You suggested Danny Green moving to the bench. I was the white guy blinking gif. <laughs> uh, I don't think that is anything that is remotely close to happening. I would oh. be really surprised. Yeah, And yeah, 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 yeah. I know you don't either, but the the thing with Danny Green that we've heard all along is that he makes it when they count. Um, I. <laughs> I don't know. I, he, he's been very up and down. I, I can't attest to that personally this year. Um, but, I mean, I guess he made him in the very first game of the season, and it's all been downhill from there. But, um, I, I, as you said, I think the defense is probably too valuable um, for them to move him to the bench. Uh, Caruso starting for KCP would be interesting. I hadn't really thought of that. I mean, I'm open for any way to get Caruso more minutes. Um, through the four games in the bubble, I, he has a 4.3 net rating. There's only five guys that have positive net ratings, um, and one of them is Keefe, who hasn't played a whole lot. Caruso and Kuzma are, are both positive. Shockingly and hilariously, Dion Waiters leads the team in net rating <laughs> in the bubble uh, with 15.5. Um, Seems good. Yeah, it's, it's decent, definitely sustainable. Um, so I would say either Caruso or Kuzma, um, would be, would be fine to move into the lineup. I mean, theoretically you could make as simple of a change as Dwight for JaVale. I I think we've both said many times on the show that uh, Dwight's energy off the bench, I think plays better. Um, there are a number of ways you could move this lineup around. As you said, I don't know that doing it against the Rockets is probably the best move just because they're such a odd team in terms of kind of matching up with them and whatnot. They're already going to make you do weird things with your rotation that it probably doesn't make a ton of sense to just completely change the lineup against this team. Um, But yeah, against the Pacers, I mean, definitely, if you really want to experiment, that Kings game is most <laughs> likely going to be just like a, an exhibition game of sorts at the end of the season. Um, and the Denver game's in there too. You could experiment against Denver. That's an, that's another playoff team, a little more traditional playoff team in the West. So there's areas where they could experiment. I, if I had to pick one change, I probably do like your Caruso for KCP. But it, I mean, again, I mean, KCP, I thought it's been decent Um the net rating doesn't back it up. Yeah. So maybe, maybe I maybe I'm just uh only remembering the good parts. Um I but as I said, anyway you can get Caruso more minutes like I'm hundred percent here for he's continuing to he absolutely has not slowed down because of the, the lockdown or anything. He looks just as good as he has all season.
0: Yeah, and Caruso hasn't looked as good as I wanted him to look. Like, the fact that he cannot make three-pointers is very concerning. Um, but no. in his defense, nobody on the team's making three-pointers right now. Not that it's a good excuse. It's just the fact of the matter. Uh, he's shooting 11.1% from three on 2.3 attempts, uh, shooting 36.4% from the field overall. But he's still a plus three in the box score, which I think is absolutely nuts. And I think anybody that's watched the Lakers can kind of see what impact he has on the lineups he's in on the defensive end. Uh, LeBron James and Anthony Davis haven't, or sorry, LeBron James and Alex Russo haven't played a ton of minutes together.
1: Brody and Slip.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, in the bubble, which I don't, I, I, I'm not a big fan of. I would like to see LeBron and AC play more minutes together. The thing that really bothers me, or or at least has really bothered me, is the amount of minutes that LeBron James and Dion waiters are playing together. And well,
1: so I, just real quick, uh, <laughs> I just have the two man lineups pulled up with Caruso. Do you know who he has the best net rating beside so far?
0: If I had a guess, it's probably Dion.
1: Yeah. It's yeah. 7.7 and 47 minutes.
0: And it makes sense. Like they've looked really, really good together. The, the recipe for success with Alex Caruso is to put him alongside a player that can create their own shot drip, like get in the paint dribble penetration uh, and make open three pointers. Rajon Rondo is not that player, but he's <laughs> not even playing. So I'm not going to b- put energy into that. Uh, but LeBron James and Alex Caruso have only played 47 minutes together. And in those 47 minutes, they have a- an even net rating, a net rating of zero and, With all these lineups, it is an outlier to what things were before the start of the season because with LeBron James and Alice Caruso during the season have one of the best net ratings of any two-man pairing in the NBA. I don't know why Frank would go away from that, but I I give him the benefit of the doubt with just how weird the situation is. Trying to integrate really three new players, if you include Marquise Morris, even though he played before the suspension, um, it's it's just a weird situation. But I think if you're in those weird situations, I think me personally, not talking about basketball, but just like weird situations in general, you tend to lean on what you're most comfortable with. And I do not know why Frank hasn't done that. Um, and but I I guess the flip side to that is if he's willing to experiment with things and test things out. Now is the time. Mm -hmm. So
1: that was going to be my point that you've afforded yourself four games, at least to kind of experiment a little bit. I mean, the other thing, I mean, we've kind of alluded to it. They're also working guys into the rotation. Dion, JR to some extent, and Keefe are all basically new players that they're working into the rotation. Keefe played a couple games before, um, before the the shutdown, the lockdown, whatever you want to call it. But, I mean, they're also working in three guys while also not having Bradley or Rondo, which... So, I mean, that's a a ton of turnover for a team that didn't really have a whole lot of turnover during the the regular season up to the lockdown. There were a couple buyouts. Troy Daniels basically leaving was pretty much the only big change. Um, So, that's another thing. I mean there's just a lot of factors right now that are just kind of odd with, with not just the Lakers, but the whole kind of bubble environment. So um, that's why I'm not panicking quite as much yet, but it's one of those things, there are signs that could be bad, but we don't really know until there's a larger sample size, but there are some things to, to worry about so far.
0: I'm going to ask you a question that I need you to put any emotion and feelings you have aside for, <laughs> does Rondo returning help any of these problems that the Lakers have right now?
1: Hmm. I mean, their biggest problem right now is shot making. Yeah. And lack thereof. Um, I mean, directly Rondo's not going to help that. Can he create shots? I mean, maybe a bit out of the pick and roll and whatnot. I think his days of kind of creating open shots for others are, are behind him, save for a handful of good nights. Um, I don't know. I mean, that's something I thought of kind of in the middle of this podcast is that if the Lakers are struggling like this, it's going to be pretty easy to just say, well, put Rondo back in and he, he'll he be able to solve things. Right. Um, which at this point it would take a complete turnaround from the offense real quick for that not to be the case. So maybe, I mean, maybe from a shot creation standpoint, but I mean, as we saw all year defenses just completely ignore him as a three point shooter. So, I mean, you would think that would just kind of further clog the paint further clog the spacing up. So I'm not sure. I, I mean, it it may help to have a guy that can direct the offense some uh, and and get guys where they need to be, but that doesn't necessarily seem to be the problem. It just seems to be – I mean, I, I pulled up on cleaning the glass um, just the shot accuracy numbers in the bubble. The Lakers are – there's 22 teams. They're 22nd in effective field goal percentage, 22nd in mid-range, 22nd in three-pointers. And sixth at the rim, uh, in terms of accuracy, they—I mean—they're 19th in corner threes, 22nd in non-corner threes. Ugh. I don't see—I mean, I, as you said, I'm trying to put like emotions aside. I don't know how Rondo helps that. I think it's—it's it's other guys just making shots. I mean, they're—they're they're, they're getting open looks, they're just not making them. I mean, ironically, Kuzma has been one of the only guys who's really kind of consistently knocked down open shots in the bubble so far. And that's a complete role reversal from where we were back in March.
0: I don't know what these next four games will hold for the Lakers. Um, I'm not even sure Vogel will tinker with the lineup too much. I just know that the three-point shooting needs to get better. I think that goes without saying. Um, but I also think there needs to be some creativity. If, if the starting lineup isn't working and you're not going to make a lineup change, how do you make it work? Because I think on paper, the KCP, Danny Green, backcourt with LeBron, AD, and JaVale makes sense. They went 17-3 and with it in the absence of Avery Bradley If it worked, why isn't it working now? Uh, And if you're not going to make a change in the lineup, that's ultimately the the question I think that needs to be answered before the playoffs start, which again is in four games, four games left on the seating schedule. Um, And and that's all I have for today's show, Jacob, unless you have anything to add there.
1: No, just the last thing to build off that, that last point. It's kind of, if, if, not now when yeah like like we said you have these four games to to figure your problems out just try things like i i may be pessimistic that taking javel out wouldn't have an overall benefit but why not try it try it for one of the games and and see try caruso for kcp or or something along those lines experiment try to figure some things out because um yeah, the offense has just been the only good offense the Lakers have had. Have, has been telling Anthony Davis to go score 42 points, um, and outside of that, the team really hasn't looked that great offensively. So, I mean, try things, figure figure something out, throw things against the wall, um, rip it down to the bare bones, and and try to like you said, figure, lean on what what's worked. Uh, we know LeBron and Caruso work together. We know AD is obviously going to be a part of that and just kind of build it out from there and try to figure out what works. Kuzma has been really good and then find a fifth player and see if that, that lineup works and, and maybe lean on that some. But, yeah, I, I just want to see the team try things, be flexible, um, figure out what, what does and doesn't work for the next four games before we uh, we head into the playoffs.
0: We'll have another post-game show tomorrow with Harrison and somebody else I don't know who ended up uh, volunteering to do it but uh, we will be back or at least Harrison will be back tomorrow Um, and Jacob and I will probably I haven't looked at the schedule but we'll probably be back at our usual time next week Uh, we hope you enjoyed the post-game show if you did leave us a nice five-star review on podcast uh, and we'll we'll talk to you again next week